You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1021 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. Today's show is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app from the iOS app store. Find one of our Locked on Rooms. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. Because they didn't make the bubble last year, the Atlanta Hawks did not play a game that counted from March 11th until December 23rd, 287 days. In the next 179 days, a shorter time span, they played 84 times, and they made the conference finals. Obviously, that's pretty crazy, this run, and uh, commemorating that as Game 1 arrives on Wednesday, I'm joined today by Tower Jones uh, momentarily. Tower is the front of the podcast, voice of the Hawks fan, so to speak. People always love when Tower comes on the show. He'll be here momentarily. A couple of news and notes, though, before we get to that, in addition to the uh, bubble lifespan. But Sunday's win for the Hawks was the franchise's first road Game 7 win ever in Atlanta. Also, the Hawks are 35-15 and 15 in the last 50 games, including the playoffs. That's a pretty crazy stretch, given that they were 14-20 at one point with a similar roster. And on Tuesday night, the lottery came and went for the Hawks, and Atlanta was not a part of it. Um, and that's not a small thing. After uh, several lotteries in a row, the Hawks picked in the lottery for three straight years, and uh, it was definitely a wild ride. But no investment at all in the lottery, which was very nice in a lot of ways for Hawks fans, I'm sure. Uh, I talked about this a little bit on Twitter, but Clint Capella enjoyed himself this week, not only because the Hawks uh, made the conference finals, of course, but Capella, who, of course, signed the long-term deal in Houston before being traded to Atlanta. When that happened, I didn't spend a ton of time on the inner workings of that contract beyond the years and the dollars, but Capella benefited from making the conference finals by triggering a $1 million incentive in his contract for making the conference finals. So a free million for, <laughs> for Clint Capella out of Tony Russell's pocket. I'm sure Tony's happy to pay that for what transpired this year. On the team side... Not a huge impact, but Capella was going to count for an extra million on next year's books as well because his um, unlikely bonus will actually be likely now. The Hawks made this this year. It's a little bit of cap dynamics there without going too deep into all of that. But in short, Capella should be buying Kevin Herter a, uh, a nice dinner or two in the near future to uh, pay him back for his performance in Game 7. Uh, before we get to some other stuff, today on the road to the finals, NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's all the worth it if you enjoy it. 95 calories, two his cars. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Before we get to the game itself, the Executive of the Year voting happened in the last couple of days, and Travis Schlenk finished sixth behind James Jones, who is the winner, Dennis Lindsay of Utah, Sean Marks of Brooklyn, Leon Rose of the, of the Knicks, and Tim Conley of Denver. Executive of the Year voting is different than the media did not vote on this one. This is executive only, and only 30 votes as a result, but Schlenk only got, only got one first-place vote. Um, you know, obviously, I think he probably should finish higher on this list. Um, I will point out, um, and we, I would say it is a mild... Um, concession to the voting is that he didn't get credit for Clint Capella this time around. The Capella trade happened last cycle. So really you're evaluating him on the draft pick of a Kong Wu and signing Bogdanovich and signing Gallinari, et cetera. Still, they transformed the roster. Um, he did a lot of good things in, it, in at, at sort of the season. So I think Schleich should have been higher on this list. I saw some uh, outrage and I would say justifiably so. Even this stuff like bringing Solomon Hill and Tony Snell to plug holes, like little things that they did in the draft and also, you know, with Skylar May's second round, I think that looks like a pretty good pick at this point in time, etc. So lots to get into with Schlenk's tenure for sure. But uh, he was, uh, I think, too low on that list at the end of the day. And before we get to Tyler, game one is coming. 
the Hawks are pretty massive underdogs in the betting market. Our friends at Madeline.ag have the implied odds or so at like 80-ish percent in favor of Milwaukee for the series. The Hawks are seven-point underdogs, according to BetOnline, right now for Game 1, as I recorded this on Tuesday evening. Um, injury stuff is out there. Trey is actually off the injury report entirely, which is a good sign. The Bucks are still without Dante DiVincenzo, who's out for the season. Um, and, of course, the Hawks are without DeAndre Hunter and Brandon Goodwin. But there are three names on the injury report to keep an eye on. Kevin Herter is probable with an ankle injury. I would be stunned if he didn't play, but we'll at least mention that. And the two guys are questionable. Bogdanovich is questionable after looking a little bit hobbled in Game 7 with right, with right knee soreness. And Cam Reddish has been upgraded from out to questionable for this game. Tyler and I will talk about Cam uh, in our interview momentarily, but long story short, there's a chance that Cam is active for the first time in four-plus months, and uh, that's definitely an interesting storyline that we'll discuss momentarily when Tyler comes on the podcast. So keep an eye on that. Obviously, Bogdanovich's status could swing the line, could swing the series, honestly, given if he's healthy or not. That's that big of a deal, but Reddish might be able to offset a little bit of that if he's able to play, etc. So plenty to get into, but the Hawks are underdogs in the series and in Game 1, and uh, we'll see if they can overcome that. And I think, as always, when you're the road team, getting a split in the first two games would be very nice. If the Hawks can win Game 1, uh, the house money situation becomes even more so. So a big one, obviously, coming on Wednesday. We'll have a podcast after that. And please subscribe to the show, as I always tell you on the podcast. All right, before I bring in Tyler, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite teams, athletes, leagues, and sports. Spotify Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join the conversation about any sports topic, team, or league, and you will find fans just like you on Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, news reactions, the latest rumors, and much more. You can even find some of the hosts from the Lockdown Podcast Network discussing your favorite teams and storylines, and Greenroom is a fantastic place to engage with sports conversations, either for diehards or even for more casual observers. Download the Spotify Green Room app for free right now, currently available on all iOS devices. From there, you'll want to be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA, NFL, MLB, or NHL groups for the latest league updates. You can find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues, and the Lifetime Podcast Network is all over the place to give you the latest insight on Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app right now. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. I'm joined now by a good friend of the podcast. It had to happen in between series. I cannot tell you how many times I got asked in the last 48 hours if you were coming on the podcast. Tower Jones is here. Hello, sir. I was one of those people. That's true. I was one of those those many people who were asking to come on the podcast. Yeah, I was... Listen, listeners. I was banging on <laughs> Brad Rowland's door uh, <laughs> to get on after Game 5 victory. That... That's true. That was the most excited I've been as a Hawks fan, possibly ever. Like, come back from twenty six down, ooh, and then on the other side to see the, the see the uh, the Sixers just just choke it away after that. Because you got to y'all got to understand the sequence that Joel and Bean and Ben Simmons were talking so much trash during that first quarter, and I the only tweet I had, Brad. It was like the Sixers better win this game. They better win because it. I guess Embiid was mad about uh, Capella say he gets tired in the second half. Which way to prove him right? Way to prove him right, Joel. You know. Uh, apparently he can't take he can't take it back. Like he can talk all the junk he wants before the game, and then when he has when he does his one move, uh, but then like. When it when it happens to him, it's uh, the referees or his teammates at fault, not him. 
You know, he gave he gave he gave everything he had, Brad. You know, it, it takes a special player to turn the basketball over 16 times when your season's on the line uh, from your center. Yeah. So kudos to him. You know, uh, that's why Jokic is better because um, uh, Jokic doesn't get tired or if he's tired, he doesn't quit. So, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, it, it, it's just funny. It's just funny how all these. Like, where are these Sixers fans at, Brad? Well, I was I was waiting I, I for you. I need to know, one, I need to know, one, where they got all this confidence from. And, and two, where they at now? Where are they? I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought Ben Simmons was going to yoke Trey Young up. They had, they had the Trey Young stopper in Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybulle, Brad. Hawks didn't have no chance. And yet, we going to the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh... Why the Sixers are going home? Because they, they, they decided to spend $60 million on two power fours that can't shoot threes. I include Tobias Harris in that. You know, it, I, I do think it's interesting that that Ben Simmons is getting all the flag when Tobias Harris was the aggressively worst basketball player. Oh, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you heard my my discussion. I, I thought he was absolutely awful in Game 7. Like, awful. So. He was awful. He was bad. I mean, if he didn't have an efficient scoring night, he did nothing. I mean, at least Ben Simmons played good defense. Uh, but they both struggled because you know, unlike against the Washington Wizards, they played a team that has that had guys who could defend those two players in particular. And so you know, they didn't. They don't have counters. You know, they're not. They're good basketball players, but you know, Embiid's kind of just they. They were asking Embiid to be Dirk Nowitzki, which you know he could do for a stretch, but the Hawks adjusted. You, that's, that was the thing about that series. Uh, even though they lost game six, I was really confident that it, I was like, if they could just, if they could just make a couple more shots, they'll win because the Sixers can't score on them anymore. Like they, like it was just a steady progression of where the Hawks were just really taking away all the pet plays the Sixers has to the point that they didn't really have an offense. Like, and, you know, shout out, shout out to Nate McMillan. Man, what a coach! <laughs> I, you know, you got to give credit what credit is due. But you know, it was, it was a fun series. Uh, you know, I hate it. I hate it for. I hate it for uh, Sixers fans. You know, you gotta. <laughs> no, you don't. You, gotta, you don't hate it for. Sixers I mean, fans. I you mean, don't. it's okay. You know, Listen, you're you're, you're, you're know, on this they, podcast they, as the voice had, of the Hawks fan. They, you don't you don't hate it for them. It's okay. You don't. You know they they. They had multiple time opportunities to sign a point guard, and they just decided that that wasn't a position they needed. So, of course, you know it it, it, just, it just stinks for their fans. Like it really does that they went through that process um, to come out of it on the other end with Tobias Harris and uh, Ben Simmons, like. Those are your second and third best basketball player. That, that's what that's what tanking so egregiously was for. And I hate to see it. It's tough. Hate hate to see it. But no, I, I that was the uh, the open that I was, I was expecting. Obviously, uh, a lot of a lot of excitement oh, oh, in the city right now. Oh, Go ahead. And, oh. and what up? Uh, uh, just uh, it's 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 not Father's Day anymore. But happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there. In particular, uh, Kevin Herter. Um, after he sunned uh, Seth Curry, 
for an entire game seven. Ooh, that I I love I love that the Hawks the Hawks just gave it to Seth Curry after he was talking smack for some reason. Like, boy, did you forget your place in this league? Well, it was like, it was a, one of those things. La- overall, Brad, just the lack of like humbleness from a Sixers team that had one good basketball player and a bunch of scrubs thinking they could talk <laughs> junk, bro. Yeah, bro, I mean, enjoy, 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 uh, enjoy um, Cancun, right? Or where, wherever y'all gonna go for vacation? Because that's y'all squad. You know, you, <laughs> that's y'all squad. Like, w- w- y'all gonna trade Ben Simmons for D'Angelo Russell next year? Maybe, maybe that'll help. I don't know. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna suck for them when Ben Simmons is a lot better playing on a team that uh, actually builds around his strengths and mitigates his weaknesses instead of what the Sixers have done the last couple of years, but you know, hate to see it. Hate to see it indeed. Um, without, after the victory lap that I knew, that I knew was coming and that I definitely wanted to hear, uh, before we dive into the Milwaukee series, was there anything basketball wise that you took away from the Philly series for the Hawks? Because obviously, you know, I, I think the number one thing that I was interested by, like as a basketball nerd was the lineups with Gallo at the three that they use so much after not doing it all year long. And that stood out to me, but like, what stood out to you in terms of like what the Hawks actually did, you know, schematically or whatever you observed in that in that Philly series that might be uh, interesting for for the next one. I think the biggest thing is that they didn't fold mentally, um, particularly in Game Four. Um, I I thought I thought throughout this entire playoffs, the only time it felt like they didn't believe they could win was uh, during the first half of game four where Capella just went off the reservation and, d- and decided to do some uh, Capella ISO post-ups on Embiid. Do you remember that? Like, just... There were there were a few uh, Capella moments with uh, in the post where... And I think people that watched were like, what is happening right now? Not that he's, he does that every once in a while, but it was not the time for it. That's for sure. He was doing it. He was doing it against Embiid. Like he was getting the offensive rebounds and trying to go up with it. And it's like, what are you doing? And like that was the, that was that that one stretch of basketball is where I felt like the Hawks weren't like together, focused and trying to win the game. And I I think that like, you know, the one that stuck there, and also the the other thing was that. They didn't abandon uh, going for offensive rebounds. In fact, they doubled down, and it finally paid off second half of game four where, where John Collins, after not being involved in offense at all, just decided to break the rim by going after every offensive rebound. And it, that it won that forced, game. That won that game. It, it, Aunt Brad, I think it won in the series because it, it kept Ben Simmons out of transition because all of a sudden Ben Simmons couldn't just grab – and go anymore like he had to help Tobias Harris on 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 John on these offensive like he had like he had to defend Trey Young he won he was defending Trey Young and if Trey Young was 35 feet away from the hoop you know he couldn't get the offensive rebound but if Trey Young was going for the floater like you have to be aware at all times of where John Collins is on the floor uh, and it it kind of curbed their transition game. Like they couldn't just grab and go anymore with the, with the frequency because John Collins was always a 
was just a presence that they all had to be aware of because he was going to put one on their heads. And so, like, just sticking with your strengths. Because that, that was, I mean, offensive rebounds are strength for the Hawks all year. And to see them against a big team like the Sixers stick with it until it worked, like, that's, I mean, sometimes that, that's what you got to do. Like, especially when, um, you know, you're playing a great defense like the Sixers were. Uh, you gotta you, you gotta find the little margins that'll help you win, and that was game four was huge. And then from basically game five on, the plan was to we're going whoever Seth Curry is guarding, we have to we have to take it to him. Like we cannot let the Sixers off the hook for playing Seth Curry. He's the worst defender on the floor. We gotta go out or fuck on Corkmouth. When when those two, especially when those two are on the floor, like we gotta attack those guys. Uh, if, if we gotta punish the decision to to put uh, Ben Simmons on Trey Young by attacking their weak points and the Hawks, I, I felt like the difference was was that Gallo was just a lot better than Bogey, and then Kevin Hurt, Gallo and Kevin Herter were just better than Bogey. Uh, the last three games, and they because they could take advantage of mismatches in ways that Bogey just simply couldn't. Like it was pretty clear, like it, it was just so easy to guard Bogey uh, yep. later in, in the series, and then we learned he had had knee problems. So that's a question mark so, for sure moving forward. Yeah, too. like because obviously they got by without it um, in the Philly series, but I think objectively they they need something from from Bogey uh, just because. They, they kind of, you know, I know you know this, but under the radar, the Hawks really didn't shoot particularly well, uh, which w- that's the stunning thing, and I guess in a lot of stunning things, that the Hawks managed to win that series without shooting well. And I mean, they, Brad, that's the thing. That's the thing about the Sixers series. Like when I when I said the Hawks, I, I felt like the Hawks could win in six. I was doing it under the assumption that DeAndre Hunter was going to play, that Joel and B was going to be limited due to uh, the torn meniscus. Yep. And that they were going to shoot their percentages. They were going to get good looks because, you know, the Sixers have great defenders, but they can't defend all the good options that the Hawks have if everybody's healthy. And then, like, for DeAndre Hunter to not play at all and for Bogey to be bad, like, Bogey was just flat-out bad in the series. Uh, But it didn't matter because the Hawks were just the tougher team. Like, they were just tougher physically and mentally. Uh, They were, like... The Sixers were just so up in their own heads as a team. Like, it wasn't just a – like, Ben Simmons – again, Ben Simmons getting all the flack. <laughs> uh, but he didn't – like, that's the reality of Ben Simmons' game. If he's going up against guys his size, he doesn't have an advantage. Like, people are talking about Ben Simmons got to be aggressive. He tried it. John Collins would stonewall him at the rim, and then he'd pass the ball out because he can't beat – like – John Collins is just as big as Ben Simmons. Like, I don't – like, people are talking about he's a 6'10 guard. He's not a 6'10 guard. He's a 6'10 power forward who was guarded by another power forward. He had no physical advantage. Tobias Harris didn't have a physical advantage. That's that's what those, – that's a two, those two guys' strengths on offense. And when you take that away, you take away what they can do best, and then you just limit them, them to being – like, the Hawks basically – turn the Sixers into an ISO scoring basketball team with Seth Curry pin down screen. 
And, you know, I mean, honestly, if Seth Curry wasn't making every three-pointer that he took, it might have, like, the series might have been over quick. Like, the Sixers got random games from, like, a Shake Milton (laughs) and a Tyrese Maxey to keep them in it. And granted, the Hawks weren't, those games, the Hawks' perimeter defenders were not playing good defense. But still, like, they, they just, the Sixers' lack of shot creation on their end compared to the Hawks where they just had options, even with bogey, not bringing it, even with Trey Young not shooting that well from three, like John Collins, not getting that many attempts. Like the Sixers took a lot of what the Hawks like to do and they still found a way to win. Uh, Cause they played great defense. They played tough. They didn't turn the ball over, which was I, I, the biggest, probably the biggest factor was that they won the possession battle. Yep. Every game. Turnovers. Every game. They were just going to win turnovers and offensive rebounds. They they kept they kept Embiid off the glass. And then on, on their end, they got extra – John Collins was the big offensive rebounder for this team, uh, just getting extra possessions. That that was the difference. And that's, and that's NBA playoff basketball. It's always a close margin. If teams are – and I think this is something that people came away with during the series is like – Embiid is the best player, but like Trey Young, Trey Young, I, I don't know, man. Trey Young was just as good as Embiid was this series to me. He was great. His ability to get just easy dunks. Trey Young was getting his teammates easier shots than anybody, anything the Sixers could do on the other end. Like everything the Sixers did was hard. Meanwhile, Trey Young was just, those lob dunks are such a boon because they you're not supposed to get those in the playoffs. You're not supposed to get lob dunks or layups, like fast break layups. Uh, Trey Young whipping passes from half court for an easy dunk, like in game seven to John Collins after after giving up a dunk on the other end. Like that's not supposed to happen in the, in, in the playoffs uh, against good teams. And like Trey Young consistently like just broke their defense down got his guys good looks and you know it took capella a couple it took capella till what <laughs> game five or game six to really get it going on offense to where he started finishing at the rate you would expect clint capella to do it and like that 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 was the difference like they you know they they just stuck with it like I mean, it it's hard not to be impressed by this team brad the, the hawks have won five road playoff games Yep. But I think it was it. I forget who brought the stat up where the Hawks this postseason run have won five road games. And for the franchise's history, the franchise's entire history, they've only won six in total. So, like, it's really hard not to be impressed with this Hawks team. Like, this is the most. This is the. Not only are they the, the most talented Hawks team that the Hawks have had in a long time uh, since I've been a fan, I think they're the toughest team. This is a tough team. I mean, I, I feel like my biggest takeaway take is that they're just a tough team mentally and physically that you got to beat them. Like, you got to be perfect 48 minutes because if you just give them a crack, Brad, the Sixers were up 26 points, and the Hawks just found a little crease, and they took it. And it's like – that's all it takes for this team to get going. So, like, I, I mean, Brad, they they could win the title this year. 
isn't that insane? Like, they can win the championship. They can beat this Bucks team. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's like it goes without saying at this point. I think, but hope if not, yeah, I mean, they, they can, they can, they can at this point. There's no, there's no team, there's no, there's no, you know, prime Warriors team standing in the way here. Like they, they can beat anybody left if uh, if they play the way they've been, that they're capable of playing for a full series. Um, before we get to uh, everything else, uh, it's a good time to say, take a, a quick break here from our sponsors on the podcast. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone. And my favorite flavor right now, anyway, I have many favorites, to be honest with you. But right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry, mint brownie, or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Bet online is the easiest and the fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is definitely here and in full swing. You can track all the action at betonline.ag. Plus, in addition to baseball, the NBA playoffs are here, as you're listening to all the time on this podcast. And uh, beyond that, all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs of course, you have MLB and NBA, and you have NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, all that you can think of. It's all there at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch or dribble, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop and mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that you can find all in one place. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and get in on the action. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. That's a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code, one more time, is Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with the site on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Tyler, uh, I want to make sure we talk about the Bucks series because it's obviously coming. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday evening, you know, about 24 hours-ish from the start of Game 1. You just alluded to the fact that they can beat the Bucks. I agree with you, but you know, obviously, the Hawks are perceived to be a pretty big underdog in the series. Do you? Are you? I guess we'll just kind of bury the lead here. Uh, how, how are you feeling about this matchup? Because the Bucks, I, I said on this podcast, I thought Philadelphia was the best matchup of the three teams when it was Bucks, Nets, and Sixers. I, I thought Philly was the best matchup for the Hawks. I still mean that. But uh, what do you what do you make of this series? Given that Milwaukee had to you know grind through Brooklyn and all that stuff. Uh, well, I felt of the three you know East teams, uh, the Bucks were the worst matchup. Um, just because of their defensive personnel and the size they have on offense at the same time, like they have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Um, those two guys are going to be a problem on both ends of the floor. And so like, it's really, it's not, it's not a mismatch per se, but you know, with the nets, 
if they were Hawks were going to play the Nets, the Nets didn't have any rim protection. And like, even though Kevin Durant and uh, James Harden are, you know, and Kyrie Irving were incredible, assuming they were all healthy, like I felt like the Hawks would have had a would have at least got gotten consistently good offense against against that Nets team. The Bucks, I think they can. Like, um, that that's probably the difference. But it's going to rely on. I mean, they can't they can't shoot the the percentages they shot from three against the Sixers and expect to beat this Bucks team. Like, they, they have to shoot their percentages. Like, they cannot. Like, either Bogey or whoever's taking Bogey's place has to be a thirty eight plus percent three point shooter. Well, can't what be, do you make of that, Bally White? Just to stop you, like. Bogey's questionable, as, as I said before, I brought you in. Bogey's questionable for game one. I don't know what that means, honestly. I don't think anybody does. Um, he didn't look good in game seven. But, you know, it, the guys behind him are, are not shooters like Bogdanovich is. I mean, I guess Tony Snell shot the heck out of the ball this year, but he did not look good in the previous series. Uh, I know Cam Reddish is questionable and may play, but Cam um, has been out for four months and offensively struggled before he was injured. So, like, do they have enough? I mean, is it just going to have to be Gallo at the three? And, like, what, what's the plan if Bogdanovich is limited in the series? Because we, I don't, I don't want to just cruise by that because it's, it's a, obviously a huge thing, particularly when you're talking about shooting. I mean, push comes to, push comes to shove, it might just have to, they might have to go with Gallo at the three. I mean, he's the only and guy of those, of those options that, that's may, a good shooter. And, and, like, and maybe you throw Collins on uh, Middleton. It's not ideal, but. Yeah, that, I mean, that, uh, and, that, that is obviously the problem is that Gallinari can't really defend. I guess you put Gallo yeah. on Brook Lopez and just. Yeah, you have. To, I mean, you have to put Gallo on Brook Lopez. And then you, you, and, and, you, and then, and then you yeah, I mean, it's, in this like, scenario, just, just to take it all the way through, you put Gallo on Brook Lopez, you put you put Capel on Giannis, and then you just hope Collins can guard Chris Middleton. Essentially. Yeah, and it's like it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, it, it, it it's going to be a lot tough because Chris Milton has actual ball skills. Or maybe, I mean, maybe uh, if they go with, uh, well, if they, if they go with Tucker, then he could obviously guard Tucker. But then you then you have to have yeah. her, then you have to have her to guard Milton, which he can do. But Milton's got size on him and all that stuff. So yeah, but then you got the Trey Young. Then you have Trey exactly. So there's you there's no perfect Trey, solution. Trey Young, <laughs> Trey Young is automatic. That's the thing, Brett. Trey Young is automatically guarding whoever the fifth is the fifth guy. Yeah, the fifth guy. I agree. Right, whether it's PJ Tucker. Pat Connington, or I'm forgetting their shooter's name for some reason. Brent Brent Forbes. Uh, Brent Forbes. Brent Forbes. Like that's who Trey Young is guarding. So that's that's locked away. So and you can't and maybe the Hawks go small. That might be an option um, where they have Collins at the five, Capella off the floor, so you can get Gallo out there uh, against Brook Lopez or or Giannis. It's not ideal. No, I mean they're just I mean, there are I, I, no great but solutions. Here, here, <laughs> but here, but but to Gallo's credit, the series. I I think this is another takeaway. I didn't think Gallo could hang with Ben Simmons. Um, he had some I moments. Thought the, I, I thought, thought where he was. Gonna get, I, yeah, I thought the Hawks were going to get destroyed in transition. Well, they, they well they they kind they kind of did to be fair. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every second, Gallinari was on the floor with, with Ben Simmons, but like on the whole. Because transition basketball is just not, it's. I mean, it's still there in the playoffs, but it's not. You know, the pace is just naturally slowed down. Like the Hawks got away with those Gallo at the three lineup, and they were the best lineups the Hawks have played all all playoffs. So yeah. By the way, they were plus in the, in the playoffs so far. 
that three-man group of Gallinari, Collins, and Capella is plus 27 in 55 minutes, which is obviously, you know, uber elite. It's a small sample size to be sure, but it, it definitely worked so far. Yeah, I mean, and, and it works because they just have a lot of side. They give up nothing in the paint, that lineup. And automatically, either Gallo or Collins is going to be guarded by a bad defender uh, just due to the offensive talent that the Hawks have on the floor. And so somebody's going to get worked. Uh, so either Gallo or Collins is going to give somebody the business on offense. And so, like, and plus Gallo's a great shooter. Like, it, that it works is, is wild, but uh, I, I think if Bogey can't go, like, Nate should probably think really hard of just starting those guys. He, he won't. I would. He won't. I would. If if, 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 if Donovich can't play like at all, I would. I would start Gallinari. And now I, I, I can. I can see and arguments and against it. Why, but. And this is why. Like I wouldn't even be mad if Bo, if they still did what, what what they did in the six last couple games with the Sixers, where Bogey would just play like ten minutes both halves. Uh, oh, I mean, game, clearly, game seven. It was very clear he couldn't. He could not play his normal minutes, but. I mean, the drop-off, and I want to ask you about Cam in a second, but the drop-off between Bogey and everybody else is big enough where he actually still helps you more because he has to be guarded. I mean, Milwaukee's going to guard him. He has um, to be guarded, and he's still big. He's strong. He's still yeah. physical. And and the good news is, matched up against Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton isn't the quick-twitch athlete that'll give Bogey problems, right? Like, even with the bad knee, like, he could still stay in front of him. And so it's it's it'll work. Um, but it's not ideal, but, uh, this is the open box special that is Cam Reddish. I was going to um, ask you, but we have to talk because obviously he's listed as questionable. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, assuming I, he, I, like he's questionable, uh, but I'm assuming he's going to play like if he's healthy. Well, the, I think there, there, there are degrees here. So I think just logical reasoning, I'm not reporting this. I think logical reasoning, him being questionable I think he's going to be active for the game. Unless something happens that's weird, I think he'll be active for the game. But there is a scenario in which Cam is active and doesn't play. I know Hawks fans are going to be are going to be furious if that happens. I can already hear it in my, in my mentions. But I there is a scenario that, where that happens. And I think that'd be a mistake uh, for two reasons. One, I mean, even even the Cam Reddish uh, who couldn't shoot uh, this year. Um, He's still a better basketball player than Tony Snell or or Solomon Hill. Like those, the second Solomon Hill and Tony Snell step on the floor, the Hawks just like their offense goes into into Craterville. I, I really wish that they had the defense, Snell from their midseason. Is bad. Yeah, I like mean, the, this... that's that's the biggest. Like that's that's the thing that people don't understand. Like and and like I hear like you know Glenn Willis, great guy. Uh, on ATL on 29, loves Snell and Hill. Like, doesn't love them, but, you know, appreciates what they do for this team. And, like, I from and he's a coach, and, like, I respect his opinion, like, tremendously. But they're just – they're bad defenders. Like, it doesn't matter that they know where they're supposed to be. They're not there, and they don't execute because they, they just don't have the juice anymore on that end of the floor. And, and – you're getting nothing from either of them on the offensive end, and so like for me, I actually like do Cam think Reddish, I, I do think that Hill would be interesting on Middleton in the series, um, just because of what you said before about Middleton doesn't really blow by you, and that is Solomon Hill's weakness is that he can't move, but he is strong. Like 
it be, it be kind of like Bogdanovich. I'm not saying it's a great option. Yeah, Reddish Brad, would probably be better. But like, the, but, here's the thing with Solomon Hill that annoys me. He makes dumb mistakes. Well, like, and, the, and the offensive the type, floor is the what type it is, too. Like he's, that he cannot afford to make. And, like, somebody as limited as him, he can't afford to have bad three, like, give up the and one fouls. Yeah. Uh, be, not be, not, not, for whatever reason, miscommunicate on defense to give up the open three point. Like, like, they're noticeable from him because he's such a, like, he's such a zero on offense. Well, yeah, I like, mean, obviously the the theory would be that Snell gives you more on offense, and if it was the Tony Snell from February, you know, he he cannot, you know, he, he can shoot with nothing else. But Tony Snell has not looked like himself for about a month, so well, well there's that. I too. mean, the thing is, is like Tony Snell's not getting clean looks. Like, no, I mean, he missed he, he missed a few decent ones in the Philly series, but I generally agree with you. I mean, you you mentioned like the mystery box of Cam, and I, I just. There's there's the two sides. There's defensively where we all know Cam is good, but again he hasn't played in four months, and to throw him out there and have it's like go, go guard Chris Middleton who's like super crafty, it that's tough. And then offensively but, he might but, he, but you know he might try to do a lot of stuff. That's the that's the problem with Cam on offense is that he might try to cook a little bit, and that's. But this this is the second reason, Brad, because Cam Reddish does need to rest, like he does. Oh they sure. Need, he needs to get out there and play. Because he has one, he has the talent. They have a need for it, and two, getting in an environment where every possession matters, where you can't just give possessions away, doing idiotic things on offense. Like you have to play within the flow of the offense. I, I have, I have right? one response like, to that though. Feel- I'm with you on this, but I will say this: this is the conference finals, Tyler. You can't. I understand there's value to this long term, but this is the conference finals, man. Like, there's no margin for error. Like, if you have a, if you have a bad four minute stretch, that might be the series. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, yeah, but like, it's. I want people to understand bad, that it's high bad, risk. His bad. Here's the thing, Brad. His bad is better. Like, if if we're we're talking we're talking about either he played, Snell played, or Solomon Hill played. His bad is better than those two guys. Like, I, I don't disagree necessarily. I just, just I just think his, it's his high it's high variance. It's all what people to understand is that you know playing Cam has risk to it. I, I think the upside is clearly higher. There's no one debating that. Um, but Brad, they they need a bit of high variance, and, that, and the, I actually agree are, with that too. Unlike unlike the Sixers, unlike the Sixers, I, I thought the Sixers Hawks series was actually pretty even. I thought the Hawks had edges, but the Hawks just had more offensive talent. Like I overall. Um, like, I felt like the matchup was a lot more even than people gave it credit for. Uh, the Bucks are the better basketball team, flat out. They've been here; they're more seasoned, uh, and they've got, you know, they got the two-time league MVP. And for all his flaws, the Hawks have—he has always given the Hawks problems, regardless of who yeah. has been in the Atlanta Hawks uniform. The, the, the Bucks, the Bucks in general have pretty much have pretty much beaten up on the Hawks the last few years. Now, granted, it's a different Hawks team, but the Bucks systematically have given the Hawks some fits with this. And that's the thing, it's group. systematically. And so the Hawks need just they need they need variance. They need they need the Lou Williams game. They need the one Lou Williams game. At least one. But yes, I agree. They they need one. 
They're going to need Gallo to not suck for stretches. He's got to be consistently good because Gallo's first half, Gallo's first half in Game Seven was uh, not a lot of fun. uh, I mean, Brad, I mean, I guess that's just what Gallo is, where he'll just look like. Well, he's thirty-two years old. He's not that old. Well, he moves. He's got to come old. He moves like he moves like a man that's older than he is. But uh, well, yeah, that's the problem. It's not his age. It's not. (laughs) It's not his age, Brad. It's not his age that's the problem. Let's let's be clear. Uh, no, it's, all, it's all I'm it's, saying is it's Gallo at 32 because Gallo at 25 was like not a bad athlete. Gallo at 32 <laughs> is one of the worst athletes in the league. If we're being honest, like he's not. Someone, well, whose fault is that? Like well, that, I don't he know. He can blame the knee. He can blame the knee, but like it's probably one too many mimosas, you know. I mean, and honestly on, though, he, he's Sunday, so he's so skilled. Like, he's so skilled that if you get him, I mean, I mean, as we as we saw in the second half of that game. If you if you try to guard Gallinari with a guard, he is going to kill you. Like if you try to put if they try to put Pat Connaughton on Gallo in this series, it makes no sense that Gallo is such a better shooter now that he's like forty pounds heavier than what he used to be <laughs> like four years ago. He's a great shooter, and he's a, he's a such a better shooter now. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. But uh, yeah, no, like. So what? Okay, so let me ask you this. But, but they need they need that they need they to me to me Brad they need the Cam Reddish man they need the the op, quote the open box special that is Cam Reddish. Well, to that to that point though, and, and I want to ask you get the good version from them. like they got to at least try it because they they we can't we, like if, if Bogey's limited, they got to need somebody. They need somebody to. It yeah. can't be Lou. It well, can't be Trey and Lou. Okay, Williams, my my question my question to you now is about about this is let's assume and this is an assumption we're just guessing. Let's assume Bogey plays, but he's not himself. So he plays twenty five minutes a night. He's out there. How much do you, how much do you play Cam? Like what role is he supposed to be in? If Bogey's out, then there's obviously even more minutes. But if Bogey's still playing. How much of a role do you need Cam Reddish to play in this series? Listen, bro, I'm going to be honest. Cam Reddish needs to be on a quote-unquote minutes limit. Well, I think he has to be limit anyway. is, I mean, but that minutes limit is, is he making his open three-pointer? <laughs> yeah. Because Does, if does he, he miss is, his first two shots? Yeah, you got to ride not? him. Yeah. You got to ride him, Brad, because they, they need the Cam Reddish who, who, uh, who will drop 30 on you. Like, like they, they got to. They got they got to find it somewhere because if they play them even, cause it, it's just going to be so hard. Like the offense, the Hawks' offense is going to grind. Like the the Bucks are going to grind the the well, maybe not game one because you know they're going up against Mike Budenholzer, but po- possibly game three or game four. Um, you know the Bucks are going to actually do stuff to give Trey Young some problems. And so the Hawks got to find something like the Hawks got to find somebody other than Kevin Herter on the on the perimeter. Um, and try something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I know. I know. I knew what you meant. I just want to say it out loud. Yeah. Um, so, OK. With that out of the way. What do you think is the biggest sort of X factor in this series? Is it is it Trey having to be, you know, incredible? Uh, against against against, against drop shooting. coverage, like what's the what, what's the number one or two thing? Is is that really just what it is? It's, it's just shooting, shooting and that's it. Are the Bucks are the Bucks making their open three pointers? If if, 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 if if the answer is yes, then what happens? They shot pretty well against Brooklyn in in Game Seven at times. I mean, it, well, here's here's the thing with with the Bucks and the making 
their open three pointers. How many are they getting? I think yep. that's that's the better question. Well, same for the Hawks. Are the Hawks giving up dribble penetration? Because if they're not, then they're going. Then I feel like every game is going to be tight. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter execution, which I. Strange enough, I trust this Hawks team to execute against anybody in the NBA. I was going to say that in late game uh, situation. As crazy as that is, I, I agree. I think that the Hawks in close games likely have the advantage. We, we've just seen Milwaukee for too long sputter on offense. Now they're not as not, not as badly as Philly, but they have had a lot of moments where they just don't score in fourth quarters, and that gives you hope. I mean, I said that before Game Seven about the Hawks. And like people were kind of burying Atlanta after they lost the home in Game Six. I'm like, guys, the whole the whole reason for optimism here is that Philadelphia might come out and not be able to score. And guess what? They came out and they couldn't score. And Milwaukee again. I think I trust them more, but they had the same problem in a different way. But they had the same problem in that they had these lulls when they're being guarded and being pushed, where it's basically Middleton jump shots and that's it. And if he's not hot one night, like they can be stopped. Yeah, and and, and that's and that's where. The game just has to be close. Uh, if it's close with five minutes left to go, uh, the Hawks have a good chance because Trey Young is just such a like Trey Young just has so many options, tools at his disposal to break a defense down uh, that don't go away in crunch time. Like it's just always there. You can't like you can't be Ben Simmons. Like they they run a screen with Kevin Herter. Ben Simmons just lags for two like half a millisecond on Trey Young on the thirty footer, and that was, that was the season right there. Trey ended the season. He was one for like a billion on three pointers, but then he became two for a billion because he got a <laughs> wide open three pointer. And you you can't give it you like you cannot give up thirty footers. Well, and because open, you know to up. his to his immense credit. Trey does not care if he's four for twenty two or whatever nope. he was. He doesn't, doesn't care. care about percentages. He's going like, to shoot. He, that's one thing that, for better and for worse, Trey Young does not care about the percentages. He cares more about how teams are guarding him. He at all times, everything Trey Young does as a basketball player is to keep his the, the defense honest. Like he gives them no breaks anywhere. And so when you have the when you have the entire floor at at your disposal as a passer and a shooter. It just becomes hard to it becomes hard to take everything away to the point that if Trey Young misses, it's not because you play good defense; it's because he just missed the open shot. Like, and that's and that's tough mentally for teams to overcome. Where Trey's always setting up either he's setting somebody up for for a good look, or he's make or he's shooting a good look, uh, even if the percentages aren't aren't illustrating that fact. So, like. But but the but the key battleground is going to be, do they give up dribble penetration, on defense for the Hawks and the fast break issue, which is still a problem, is going to be a massive problem with Giannis. Um, how do they, how how do how do they operate uh, against the Bucks? Do they just give up offensive rebounds or do they go all in on it again? That's going to be an interesting question. Yep. Uh, we got we got to see how they operate. I I mean, I think they got to <laughs> I mean, they just got to go after it. They got to get as many possessions of the basketball as they can. They can't turn the ball over and they got to get offensive rebounds. Like they cuz they're just without Hunter and with Bogey limited, like the Hawks just have to play. I mean, and they can do this, but they like they can't play a quote-unquote fair game. Like they're going to have to do some hacking Giannis. 
Well, and uh, uh, th- th- this Trey Young is right there in front of the referees. He's counting with his fingers. <laughs> uh, Ten seconds. You, you mentioned you mentioned Hunter, by the way. Hunter Hunter's absence is a lot bigger in this series than it was in the last series because the last series Philadelphia, as we saw, didn't have anybody that he was going to have to guard like this. Chris Chris Middleton is the guy that Hunter is supposed to be defending in this series, and he's not there. That's a big loss. Obviously, it was a big loss in the last series too. I'm not, I'm not overstating that, but this is a it's a bigger loss in this matchup, at least in my view, because this is a team that actually has a star caliber wing in the way that Philly clearly did not have because Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons. And this is why Cam Reddish has to play. Like they need him. Like I I, I know. I know it's all offensive foibles, but I understand. No, I, I get it. I mean, he's that, the only one. He's the only one who's going to give Chris Middleton real problems. It's just been. I mean, I I am so I, I'm so intrigued by by what Cam looks like because I mean people don't understand. I think logically, like how hard it is to not play for four months, four months, and then be thrown into a conference finals game. It's going to be fascinating. I have no idea what he's going to look like. No clue. But man, that's a tough ask, and that's why they've and been careful. He's never, I don't. He, he never played under Nate McMillan, did he? Um, no, he got hurt in February. No, yeah. he's not. He has not played under Nate. I mean, Nate's been obviously was on the staff, but yeah, yeah, Cam's been out ever since Nate took over. He's not played once. Yeah, so it's going to be. Uh, but like, Nate's got. I mean, McMillan got to roll the dice with with Cam because uh, it, it it can't be. The solution can't be all right. Well, Herder has to guard Chris Middleton, and so then Trey Young on Drew Holiday. Like I, I agree with you. I don't want that. Well, at, at least not as a primary. It, I mean, you, if you have to do it, you have to do it at some point. But yeah, you do yeah. not want Trey having to guard Drew Holiday for forty minutes. That's not going to work. Yeah, because it, that's not. It's just not. It's just not, and it has nothing to do with how good or bad Trey Young is as a defender. Uh, it's just like that's Drew, just a Drew, size. Yeah, Drew's bigger, and he'll attack. It. I mean, that's one. That's the one thing Drew does very, very well is attack small guys. He is yep. uh, not afraid to do that, um, and that's why the that's why Herder has to guard Drew um, at least the start games just to disavow that um, that that and, from and from same thing with Lou. I mean, Lou's the, Lou's going to be in the same problem. Like Lou, Lou can't guard Drew Holiday. Um, that's not going to work. So he can't. But Lou, Lou's a weird guy. No, uh, yeah, we, he, yeah, he's getting he's getting pick sixes <laughs> in crucial crunch time. That was a, that was a huge that was a huge moment. Um, yeah, you know. At any rate, we we've done we've done all the all the Mac. We, we could probably go for three hours. I, I will ask you as a final thing before we get out of here and before I get in trouble for going too long. Um, what? I mean, your prediction. It sounds like you think Milwaukee is the favorite, and I think that's the consensus. But uh, I mean, wh- where's your confidence level that they can that they can pull this off? Um, as as resident Hawks fan on the podcast, how you feeling? <laughs> Man, it's hard. It's hard to not think they can't do it, Brad. Yeah. Like, I, as weird as it sounds, like all, all this quote, this pessimism you're hearing from me, just because I, I respect this Bucks team a lot. Um, I felt like they were the title. They should have been the title favorites the last two years, and that it was super disappointing that they haven't won yet. And like, it on one hand, it feels like it's their year. On the other, I've seen this Hawks team like, like just. Like I, I feel like if the if the Bucks show any crack in their in their uh in their defensive scheme, Trey Young's gonna exploit it. And they just have to find they just have to find the one the one or two things that they can do every time down the floor to really break the Bucks defense. Cause if they can do that, and then on the other end, if they can just not give up easy just take away the easy stuff from the Bucks offense, which is transition. 
they can take away the Bucks transition, force them to be a half court team, and then force them to shoot over tough contests instead of um, getting to the teeth of the defense and then pass to open corner threes. Like if they can, if they can play good defense, keep the game close. It doesn't have to be pretty, um, and that. You know, if, if it's close, I, I feel confident in this Hawks team that they can pull it out. So, um, <clears throat> you feel you're feeling pretty good. It sounds like. I mean, yeah, not, yeah, relatively I, so, I, I feel, obviously. I feel they're gonna win this series. Like that's what I feel like. Uh, I, I think they've shown that home road doesn't matter for this team. Uh, they don't care, and so like, I, I think they're gonna. I think they're going to. I think they're. I think they're gonna win. <laughs> there we go. I'll put it. I put it. I'll put it. There right. we go. That's I fine. I think they're gonna win. Uh, I just want. I just want to say it. Gonna go seven. I knew it I was think gonna go seven. So, oh, so you you think the Hawks are gonna go to Milwaukee and win again in Game Seven on, on the road? Yeah, I, I think I think home road doesn't matter with this team. Lo- love to I see that. Think, love to see that. Uh, it's good, good for the content they, they too. Don't care. Extra games, seven games is great for the content. So, it, I, I think another X factor that you know. I didn't. I failed to mention um, entirely of this podcast is how well Okongwu is playing. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how how he holds up go, going up against Giannis. I think what he a, can what, what a, do a bust. pretty good job. What a bust, you know, Kongwu. Huge bust. Huge bust. <laughs> back in like February. Hawks don't win. Hawks don't beat the Sixers without Okongwu. Uh They don't. At some, at some point, we, you and I might have to do a half hour on Kongwu versus Dwight in that series, and how much fun it was to see Dwight absolutely down. dominated Dwight Howe. Wasn't that wasn't that fun to watch, Brad? Listen, and, I, I, I don't I, I don't get emotional very often anymore. I, I try to be objective whenever possible. I, I took some pleasure in watching Dwight uh, submarine the six. Hold on, hold on. We gotta we gotta <laughs> talk about Dwight Howe. Nah, we can't just leave this podcast without talking about. All right, well, and on Dwight, that's one fine. of the Perfect. just. What an incredible series for Dwight Howard for the Atlanta Hawks. Like Contributing at a high level to the Atlanta Hawks for the first time. It was great. I love that. I, I mean, I, I, I thought it was interesting that Joel said that the, the game ch- changed uh, on that Ben Simmons pass, which is cute. That's not when the game changed. The game changed when Dwight Howard committed just the dumbest flagrant foul for no reason on John Collins. When and, y'all, they, and they when scored the four points on the same possession? Three, yeah. Four points on the same possession. It's like... What are you doing? Being Dwight Howard. Like, he's just such a – he's just an idiot. <laughs> like, he's uh, an idiot. Like, what are you doing? It was incredible. Oh, incredible. I'm glad we got to that at the end of the podcast because that had to happen. Uh, Dwight was uh, – it was it was performance art from Dwight at the end of that game. Uh, all right, Tyler. Well, thank you for doing this. Uh, we will do this again. I know the couple times that I've wanted to have you and it's just been like 2 in the morning we can't pull it off. But I'm glad we got to do this. Uh, you, we will do it again, hopefully, hopefully during or after this series, and hopefully before the NBA Finals, if you uh, if your prediction comes true, we'll do it again. Yeah. Ha- gotta have it. Uh, anything anything else you've been tweeting about you want to share before we get out of here? Um, I don't know what I've been tweeting about, man. The Hawks have just every second of my brain is just looking for Hawks content, so I'm just scouring the internet for Hawks. And, like, all my thoughts are about the Hawks at the moment. So I don't have anything insightful on anime and video games. So you and I are in the same uh, place then, just spending all of our yeah, free time on the yeah, Atlanta Hawks just, right now. That's great. Just all my time thinking about this team <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Basketball. Like, man, it's, it's, you know. We're all, uh, oh, we're all having fun. Uh, it'll be, I, I, um, 
So apparently Trayon didn't make the USA team. They've not said that yet, but it looks if you do the math on the roster that they've put out, I don't think they're going to have another guard. So it, it looks it looks that's a little bit bleak for Trey. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if you do the math on it, I'd be surprised if the names are reported correctly if he made it, just because they kind of have a lot of guards already. That's that's unfortunate for the Bucks this series. That's uh, <laughs> I'm it, sure I'm sure I'm sure Trey Young won't take it personally. I'm sure yeah, Trey never takes anything personally. Is he he's happy to tell you that he's been overlooked for quite some time. He's uh, someone who definitely will use that as a uh, as a factor. You would imagine at some point. So. Yeah, that'll be fun. We'll talk about that, we'll talk about that, that next time, too. We'll have some, uh, whenever the offseason actually comes, it might, might be another month from now, but whenever the offseason actually yeah. comes, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. Um, all right, Tyler, well, thank you, for doing, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy the series. Try to stay off Twitter when you're melting down in the middle of these games, and uh, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Appreciate it, Brett. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast, and I will be back after game one, so we'll see you then.